Galatians chapter 5, verse 5. And if you have it, I'll read it for you. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Amen. You may be seated. Let me pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for all that you have done. God, that at the end of the day, no matter what we're going through, you are victorious. You have already overcome the cross. You have overcome the grave. You have overcome sin and death. And Lord, what else can't you do then? Lord, in this time and what we're going through, God, you are victorious even in that, that this is nothing in comparison to all that you have done for us. And so, God, I pray for confidence. I pray for love. And I pray for hope. We thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You know, for me, as I was thinking about uh, what to speak on for today, there was just one word that kept on coming to my mind. And it was the word hope. It was the word hope. You know, there's um, researchers have said that the peak for the coronavirus within the U.S., that means the peak amount of deaths in each city, are going to be from April 1st to April 29th for about this entire month. And as I was praying and thinking about what pastors to speak on, and as I heard that, I couldn't, I couldn't take it for coincidence that we are celebrating the greatest victory in the history of the world right in the middle of that peak. That it is not coincidence that we are celebrating all that our Father has done, all that Jesus has done right in the midst of the worst time in the U.S. Because you see, back then, 2,000 years ago, the disciples, they were hidden and afraid in their homes. For them, they had no hope left because for them, their Messiah and their Savior was completely gone. He was dead. But the thing is, for these disciples, what they didn't realize until later was that the cross that Jesus died on was only supposed to lead to the empty tomb. That you see, the death that Jesus experienced was only meant to lead to his resurrection. And church, what that means for you also is that whatever death you are going through, whatever destruction you are experiencing, whatever trial and persecution that you are going through, it is not Anything in comparison to the victory that God has achieved because his word is true and it means that for you, as you are going through these things, it is true that for you, God is saying, look, that he is good and that he is great and that for him, church, that it is all for your good and for his glory. That it means that for all of these different things, that he is accountable for it. That in all of these circumstances, no matter how bad they are, that he is in control. And it's why we can say, church, that even in the midst of that, we can, as the world goes in despair, as the world is in decay, we are able to say, bring it on. Bring it on. Because no matter how painful it is, no matter how terrible it may be, I know that this is meant for my good and that this is for your glory. You see, in Genesis 37, 
Joseph is sold by his brothers. He is put into a pit. He is sold into slavery. He is thrown into prison. And do you realize that through the, that through the entire time, Joseph is crying out to the Lord? That he is crying out to God. And he's saying, God, can you save me? He's crying out to God saying, God, rescue me. And through it all, God is silent. And it's only later, as time goes on, that he is standing in front of his brothers. And his brothers are asking for forgiveness. And he says, look, what you meant for evil, God is able to use for good. And what that means for Joseph is that even in the pit of despair, that even when he was in prison, that even when he was sold into slavery, he believed without a shadow of a doubt that God was still in control. That as much as God was in control as he was ruling and as he was atop and as he was doing well, God was absolutely in control when he was in the pit, when he was in prison, and when he was in slavery. And it means that for God, it means that for Jesus Christ, that he was never a victim of his circumstances, friends. It means that for him, that if you believe that he was God in the empty tomb, he was just as much God on the cross. That as he was walking up to Calvary, that as he was being mocked, that as he was being beaten, that as he was being spit upon, he was still God. That he was still in control of every single thing that was happening. God was in control at that time. If you believe that Jesus Christ is God during the empty tomb, then you have to, you have to believe that he is God on the cross as well. And church, this is your story. Because as terrible as things may be today, as hurtful as things are right now, we believe in the bottom of our hearts that this is meant for our good and for his glory because our Lord has been victorious. But church, I know that this is hard to believe for many of us especially when we are going through it. And our first thoughts when times of trouble come is to try to overcome it with our own strength. And the first thing that always happens is that when we try to fix things ourselves, we always look inwards to us and God is only an afterthought after. There's this illustration that I really love. And it's that if you have a metal rod that's bent, there's only two ways that you can straighten, that, straighten it out, that you can make it better. The first is to bend it with your own hands. It's to do your own work. It's to try your best to put it back. But you know that even if it looks perfect again, that the structural integrity is compromised. You know that if something else happens to try to bend it, it will bend even more easily than it did before. But the second way to fix that metal rod is to put it in the fire. And only then are you able to transform that rod, not only back to what it was originally, but even more perfect than that. 
Church, there, there are so many things in our lives that have twisted us, that have bent us over. Sickness has twisted our souls. There's darkness that has hurt us and has bent us, broken relationships, financial difficulties. All these different things come in our lives and have twisted us again and again. And for us, so many of us, we try to push it back to normal. We try to do everything we can by trying to find the perfect career, by trying to find the perfect spouse, by trying to do the perfect thing. And little by little, we think that we can straighten back out, that we can go back to being perfect. And yet what we know, church, is that situation, circumstance, and trial is going to come where those difficulties are going to bend us back. And if that's the case, church, you have to understand that there's only one thing that you can do to truly be transformed. There's only one thing that you can do to really have peace in all circumstances. And it's to put your trust in the fire of the one who loves you. Church, this is the difference between the world and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, what is this gospel? I know that we've talked a lot about it before, and I'm mentioning it now, but what is the gospel? It's simple. It's that, look, for your past, for your mistakes, for the things that you have done, you are no longer judged or condemned. It means that you are absolutely and completely accepted by God. It means that you belong to his family and that he belongs to you. And it means that no matter what, neither heights nor depths, neither angels nor demons, no, not anything can separate you from his love. It means that for Jesus Christ, when he died for you, your past, your mistakes, and your sins, they were put on him. And he replaces it all with his perfection. That is the gospel. You see, church, I, I know that this can be such an abstract idea, but I'm going to give you the first step. The first step to believing in Jesus Christ is this, laying down your own strength. Laying down your own pride is letting go of that metal rod. It's simply asking that God would save you. Look, it's okay to, to have a hard time believing because your level of faith is not what's going to determine your salvation. Faith in Jesus Christ, all that means is that you go to him and you ask for his help and say, look, I, I tried to do it on my own. I try to work and try to bend things back to place. I try to fix things on my own and I just can't do it. God, I'm going to trust in you. That's it. It's putting God first now. You know, in the book of Job, Job, he curses and doubts and questions again and again. And yet at the end, God, he says, look, you have shown great faith. How is that possible? It's because even though he lacked faith, Job, he went to God with his lack of faith. 
Do you see that? It's not the lack of faith that's the problem. It's that we don't go to God, and regardless of whether you have faith or whether you have a lack of it. God, he never expects perfection from anyone. How could he? He's the only one that's perfect. He knows that you're a sinner. He knows that I'm a sinner. He desires your heart. And church, that's what the Bible says is where our hope comes from. Because in the Bible, it says that Jesus Christ is God and God does not change. And it says that even with the circumstances in life, with all the things that, were going, that are going on, even when everything in this world disappears or falls apart, our God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It means that there are situations in your life that may not make sense. But you can rely upon the God who died for you, but not only died for you, rose again. And if he is victorious over death itself, then will he not also be victorious in your life today? And it means that even when the world says all is lost, you are able to say, God is working. See, church, in verse 5, it says, we eagerly await hope, the hope of righteousness. You know, the Bible is, the way that the, hope, the word hope is translated in the Bible is actually much different than the way that we use it in English. In fact, it's the complete opposite. Because in English, the word hope actually means uncertainty. And yet in the Bible, in the Greek, hope means absolute certainty. You know, if I went to the, the head of the WHO, World Health Organization, I said, when do you think the, uh, the, the treatment or the cure for the coronavirus is going to come out? What if that person, what if that leader said, um, I kind of hope by next year. Do you know in the back of my head, I'll be thinking, what, what kind of punk answer is that? What, why, would you, why would you say it that way, right? We, I would be so upset because that person is so uncertain of their answer that they would say, I hope so. And yet in the Bible, especially in the Greek, when it says, I hope, it is an absolute certainty. We eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Look, if you are trying to bend this rod back with your own strength, then you will never be certain of what happens. Because in the next corner, even if you do well and even if you stay healthy throughout this virus, guess what? Next year, a new one could come out. In two years, something else could come. We are never certain of the future, and when we rely upon our own strength, it will never be enough. And that's why for us, our hope is uncertain when we rely on ourselves. But when you realize that you are saved simply through faith in Jesus Christ, in his character, and in what he has done for you, then you have absolute certainty that there is nothing in this world that could ever touch you. There is nothing in this world that can ever separate you from the love of God. Because if death 
couldn't separate you, then what in this world could? Because if death on the cross couldn't stop Jesus Christ, then how would you ever think that anything in your life could ever stop him from having victory in your life today? I have absolute certainty, church, and you need to have absolute certainty too that if this is your story, that if you are saved by faith in Jesus Christ alone, that everything, the good things in your life, the bad things in your life, everything are meant for your good and for his glory, and he is able to work those things out. This is the hope that we have because of what Jesus Christ did. You know, a few months ago, there was this man named Jonathan Evans, and uh, he's the son of a really famous pastor named Tony Evans. And his uh, mother passed away from cancer. And so this was a couple months ago, he gave this eulogy. And he said that all these people from all over were praying for healing. And he said that pastors would even come in and they would lay their hands upon her and, and they were praying for her mother to be healed. But during that time, she just got worse and worse and then she finally passed away. And it says that he was praying to God. And he said, where are you? What are you doing? God, don't you realize that this was an opportunity for you to show your victory in this world? And in the midst of that prayer, he said that God spoke to him and said, don't you understand that for your mother, I have already given her victory, that I have already showed my victory in the empty tomb. And because I've already given her victory then, don't you realize that there's only two answers to your prayer? That either she was going to be healed or that she was going to be healed. That either she was going to live or that she was going to live. That either she was going to be with family or that she was going to be with family. Church, do you realize that if Jesus Christ has already had victory, the greatest victory than the history of the world, that he has overcome sin, he has overcome death, he has overcome Satan, he has overcome this world, then that means his promises for your future are sure as well. And it means that whatever you are going through today, the trials and the tribulations in your, in your life, there is no outcome that can come in defeat. If the empty tomb is there, then it doesn't matter how terrible or how painful the cross is, there is hope at the end. Church, I hope that today you are able to have peace and joy knowing that Christ has already given you the ultimate victory. He has already won the war. And there are only two answers that he can always only give you. You will be healed or you will be healed. This is meant for good or this is meant for good. This is for his glory 
or this is for his glory. He is risen or he is risen. Amen? Let's pray.